0: Welcome to the Virtual Staff Room, a podcast made for teachers, by teachers, and all with a dash of educational technology thrown in. My name is Joachim Cohen, and today we've got an extra special and extra long edition in store for you as we unpack EduTech 2022. Yes, you got it, one of the largest educational technology conferences in the world is back and the Virtual Hus staff room team were there. But before we begin, we would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay our respect to Elders past as present, and also pay our respect to other traditional Elders and other Indigenous people on whose country or through whose country this broadcast will travel. Now today, there is no sign of Yvette, Linda, but we are welcoming a couple of new voices to the podcast. We are.
1: We are lucky enough to have Mark Greentree, Executive Director at Digital Learning, who's not a stranger to the staff room, as well as Amy Phillips, Principal Education Officer of the STEM T4L and leading the teaching and learning component of the Rural Access Gap. Welcome.
0: And in a fast-paced virtual staff room style, it's time to get down to it. For those of you who are not aware or have never been, EduTech is a huge conference that includes loads of workshops, keynotes, as well as one of the biggest EdTech show floors you will ever see, and is the hotbed for ideas for the classroom, the staff room and the school. And today we're going to unpack everything we saw and share with you the nuggets of gold that might have impact on your classroom today or perhaps tomorrow. So let's get the discussion going team. What was the message that stuck with you after the conference. Amy let's begin with you.
2: Thanks Joe. Well I attended a huge range of sessions across the two days so I feel like I came away with so many takeaway bags. I think for me my standout was around the concept of planning better for improved technology practice. Whether that be at the school level, looking at the pathway towards building an organizational culture shift that considers all stakeholders in the school community rather than just a single voice and makes decisions that are incorporating students and teacher viewpoints in what they're using in the technology space. But also on an organizational level, the emphasis on planning for supporting our teachers as a collective was highlighted in a panel session that discussed whether technology was an enhancement or hindrance to literacy. All four panellists, I'm glad to say, were on the enhancement side of the debate, but described in detail how if we want our students to engage with, understand and create multi-literacies, we need to invest heavily in the building teacher confidence and capacity. So therefore, to get them to understand and develop these digital aspects of the curriculum even more so, I thought that the planning for supporting teachers in the technology skill, confidence and capacity space was a huge theme.
1: How about yourself, Linda? Uh, Pretty handy considering that's um, all the work you're leading at the moment, Amy. But um, for me, I think I went to lots of sessions around how schools and larger educational organisations are utilising data to provide teachers and parents with insights about their students as learners and also to the students themselves to guide where they want to go as learners. And I think there's work to be done around how we as an organisation can provide data to schools that is really digestible but also supports them really quickly rather than spending time on that data work. So that was probably a key thing for me. But the other really um, reflective thing was where New South Wales is doing great things in this space. And we definitely were able to see from other um, educational jurisdictions that we're on the right track and we've got a lot of collaboration to be had with other organisations as well. So, yeah, what about you, Mark?
3: Thanks, Linda. I, yeah, I felt like I was running around the whole... days that I was there, um, juggling between sitting on a very quiet floor and trying to have a few meetings back with people in Sydney, but at the same time too trying to see some of the key insights that come from particularly the Victorian Government uh, and the Victorian Educational Jurisdiction. I'm really keen and interested to see how other education systems in Australia manage technology in the delivery of education and I was pleasantly surprised and amazed at some of the the wonderful things that have been done in schools down there, quite innovative. Uh, and I think they're things that we can look at modelling. However, I guess the other thing, aside from a few of the, the workshops that I went through that were, were quite inspiring and, and some great takeaway messages there as well, I think what struck me, and, and maybe the exhibition hall is, is a metaphor for the whole thing, is that it is such a huge space that you can literally get lost in ed tech, And sometimes we need to just refine our focus a little bit because if we just keep our eyes too wide open and too distracted a bit like um perhaps my own adhd type personality i will just lose focus on what we need to do so we need to to focus on some of those key key takeaways maybe maybe one or two of those stalls look at some of those great ideas and then just double down on how we deliver those for our schools so that we can really see some benefits because at the end of the day we want improved student outcomes through the effective use of technology not just using technology because it's cool. Because I saw a lot of cool technology, but I know that it just needs to be done right. And and I'm really pleased and proud to sort of like see that the teams that run here, the T4L team and the innovation team, the DST, even the STEM team and the way we deliver it, that is exactly what we're focusing on. It's educational outcomes first with real strong technology injection to bring that digital literacy up level with the literacy skills that we have for our kids today. So how do you,
0: Yeah, oh gosh, you guys are so insightful with those those amazing comments. I totally hear what you're saying, Mark, about that need to focus. And I think it ties in with what Amy's saying about planning and Data was not something that resonated with me as well, Linda, but I think what I took away from it was something that was mentioned in the, in the opening keynote um, by Richard Collada, who I think is the CEO of, of ISTI, the International Society for Technology and Education, if I haven't got that wrong. There we go. And I think it was about this concept of needing to level up. And that we've created a really amazing base level of knowledge uh, inside uh, students and inside teachers on maybe how to use some some basic use of, of ICT and digital technologies. But the world doesn't stand still and the jobs of the future now demand some really high level skills in digital technologies. And I think as teachers and for our students, what they need to do is realise that, well, maybe one hour of code a year isn't enough. And their level of skills need to be more than that. And how can we build our skills so that we can then build the skills of our students is what really stood out for me. So I think we've got such an exciting time ahead. We've got this great base and now we can have something to leap from, from there. So what next? Well, I don't think this would be a conversation about Edutech, unless we talked a little bit about tech. So, was there one piece of technology that made you go, wow, it has got so much potential in the classroom? And Linda, you're going to start us out.
1: Look, I think it was really interesting. The expo floor was probably pretty similar to the Easter Showbag Pavilion. It was quite (laughs) overwhelming at times. There was lots of new shiny things with potential. You can see how educators would get wrapped up in that expo floor and, you know, think, That looks fantastic, I want to use it, but I was trying to really step back and think about, at a scaled piece, what could be utilised. And look, there were lots of great examples of the way some of our collaboration tools are used to um, to support student learning, but in terms of one actual piece that made me go, wow, it probably wasn't there for me this year, maybe next year. Mark, what made you go, wow? Wow.
3: Uh, I think I always think with my stomach. So um, sustainable food uh, and the production of sustainable food, there was, um, you know, they were printing stuff out, literally, that you could eat. Um, and the cool thing is that it ties in. We, we do have a printer here that uh, I, I recently discovered that also produces chocolate. So if you do look for me and I'm missing, I might be upstairs standing beside the printer waiting for my chocolate to be produced. But the reason why... It, it kind of has that wow factor for me is because we look at how we manage land, we look at how we manage the production of food and and using a different way of coming around to it. Uh, I know Thermomix has been doing that for a long time, but printing out stuff like pastries and chocolates and and those types of things as a first step, um, it also comes back to another kit that we're about to, to put in into play, which is our aeroponics kit to teach students about food that you can grow and eat and consume. And that understanding leads also to further innovation. Further innovation leads to, I guess, further progress in that sort of area. And, and truly sustainable is what we're looking for with our use of technology. So.
0: so interesting, Mark, because I think that it does tie into something that's very you know, close to the hearts of our young people in schools at the moment, that are, that message of sustainability. But also the fact that technology is kind of becoming part of every single sector that exists now. And we don't just think about it in terms of a device. It's got so many more, you know, possibilities. And I think that's really exciting. And I, yeah, you put that was a really good suge- suge- suggestion there. I think they were also putting water inside some of those food objects to get people to hydrate. Mm. It's phenomenal. Blows your mind. And I guess mine's a little bit like this as well. I didn't see anything that made me go, wow, there wasn't a lot there, a lot of iterations of things, but not great brand new exciting things and um, mine was was all about this idea of sustainability and repairability and upgradability and efficiency and I saw computers which you can now actually undo and you know put in new hard drives, put in new pieces of memory. They're made from recyclable materials and they think about that sustainability message and they're thinking about power efficiency and that made me stand up and say oh my gosh we need to be starting to think about this now because our students care about it. We need to care about our footprint and what we're doing. And you know, we don't want to see this um, you know, this huge amount of of, of e-waste appearing. So that's the message that came through to me. I think there's loads of, of ways that we can go, but who knows what we might see included in the next T4 catalogue. Amy, what did you see? I love that uh,
2: analogy of the showbag pavilion because I definitely felt that it's extremely overwhelming if you've never been to EduTech before and you're very much immersed in a lot of cool technology. I agree, Mark, but I think, um, looking at it and looking at how we can utilize it effectively in the classroom space was something that I really looked for. So again, nothing stood out to me. Um, but I've taken a different approach. What I found was the enhancements to accessibility and assistive technology tools more than anything, um, showcase really well by the vendors. So I went to a lot of vendor sessions that showcased the personalized personalization of learning piece really effectively. And I'm really passionate about making sure our students in the classroom can access learning at their level with what they need. And they shouldn't have to be paying extra for apps or extra for add ons for that. And I thought that, um, in various sessions I saw, those pieces were so powerful um, by turning on a little toggle or, you know, enabling a microphone or something like that. We can really showcase how students can take risks with their technology to access learning at their needs. It was awesome.
0: And that is so powerful, isn't it? It doesn't always just have to be physical products. They can be other great ways that we're enabling access for our students. And I think that sometimes we get wrapped up with those kind of tools only being for a certain segment of our, of our cohorts, but really they provide so many advantages to everyone. The material becomes so much more accessible. Oh, what some great finds there, Amy, that's for sure. Now, the next thing that our listeners may not realise is that there are a lot of school presentations at EduTech and, um, and at the conference and team, I'm just wondering, was there a story that you heard or that you saw that really warmed your heart and you think might inspire our listeners? Now, Linda, I think we're going to start with you on this one. Now, now people, I've been pointing at Linda throughout this session and she's going, Oh no, I don't know if I'm ready for this one. So I'm going to take it to Mark. Mark, did you see a story that warmed your heart?
3: Yeah, look, um, and and it warmed my heart because of, I guess, the the young women that that presented on it, and that's Bendigo Technology High. Uh, They're doing a great program down there for STEM and women in STEM, and they're working with a a, a private company uh, to actually strip down um, old uh, four-wheel drives and rebuild them as uh, electric vehicles. Now, um, they had the chassis of a Range Rover that they'd stripped down. They had video footage of the girls, actually tools in hands, grinders, welders, the whole kit. But just hearing one of the presenters stand up and talking about how, how she loved packing the axle with grease and wall bearings and just getting her hands right in there and doing the dirty stuff. And I can just see her being successful as as a mechanic and as, as a future-focused mechanic too, looking at the new changes to the industry with regards to EV and the proliferation of EV within the vehicle industry. Um, she spoke with just such a, a massive passion, passionate um approach to the program, but also to the work. And uh, um some of her other fellow students were there talking about it and and really engaging. could see that it was an, a program that actually connected with them properly, the way we desire education programs to connect with every student. and uh, that that was that was really inspiring, and and I really got a kick out of just that particular presentation.
0: Mm, and it was um you know there was there was a huge focus on the, I think, different types of skills that they were developing about renewable energy about the, the whole engineering phase as well. Absolutely.
3: And, the, connection. and <laughs> the way they spoke, they sounded like they were mechanics that had been working on cars for years. You know, they, even to the point that they were dropping their ings and they were sort of like saying, yeah, yeah, I'll get my hands amongst it and all that sort of stuff. It was, it, was quite, it was quite funny just listening to them talk about it, but just such a passion for it. it was, that's what I want for every student that I teach.
0: Oh, wow. That is a fantastic story. And you know, BAFTA, go and have a look at that one. Look up Bendigo Tech School, find out what they're doing. That's for sure. I know um, one thing that I took away was uh, uh, really seeing some great stories around citizen science that was occurring. So getting our students involved in actually contributing to global databases, to actually making meaning out of the options that uh, the observations that they take inside their school environment. And um, I I heard some amazing, passionate speakers just talk about the opportunities that are available to students and some of the programs that they've run and the successes that they've had that have really inspired students to get outside, take technology out of the classroom to, you know, take photos, report those through to databases and. Um, and and really engage with making an impact. Amy, what did you see?
2: Well, I'm really happy because this was something that I highlighted in the program right from the get go. Um, and the program is enormous at EduTech, as you know, Joe. But I, um, being a First Nations person myself, I, I really looked for some of those Indigenous stories that were being told through technology. I feel really passionately about how technology can support Aboriginal education. And this particular piece was presented in an alignment piece. So not a single school story, but six secondary schools had come together in the Lilydale district. And basically under the initiative, it focused on the needs of local Indigenous students, improving student knowledge, cultural connections, and things like attendance, Aboriginal inclusion. So they built a program based under the strategy that was implemented by the Vic Ed. Um, And basically it focused in and around using human-centered design thinking um, and emerging and current technologies that focused around yarning circles, workshops to um, to solve real-life problems combined with Aboriginal cultural practice, connections to industry for those Aboriginal students. And they presented that story. And the one line that um, the, the speaker was saying is that, you know, a student stood up and said, I only come to school for this. And I think just hearing that, I, I kind of teared up because I thought, well, that's why you want your students to come to school. They should feel connected to their learning. So hopefully we can bring back some of those ideas here. I connected really well with the people that led the program because we'd love to support some of our connected community schools in that space to feel the same and, and be connected in that space with technology. <sighs>
0: That's so exciting, isn't it? Gee whiz, that makes you feel like that's exactly why we do this stuff. Absolutely, to make connection to to young people, made it meaningful to them. Linda?
1: I think similarly I was at a session with uh, Mount Waverley uh, Heights Primary School and they talked about this the journey their school has gone on over the last couple of years and I think it was really interesting to hear how the school kind of stepped back to analyse what they're currently doing, what they want to do, where they want their school to go and they've invested a great deal of time and energy in that thinking but they've really done a great job at bringing their whole school community along and they talked very honestly about the challenges that they were faced through that Um, and now they're in a position where they've got really remarkable digital literacy right through all of their programs um, and just a great story of school success.
0: And that's not easy to achieve, is it? You often see pockets of goodness inside a school, but to have a whole plan, have the community involved and on board, that's an amazing story. Yeah, it was really interesting. Oh, wow. Some great stories there and some great things to go and investigate or to think about. But finally today, I always like to view EduTech as a little bit of a crystal ball. It gives an eye to the future. So, what trends stood out to you, team? What do you think will have impact on New South Wales classrooms in the next five years? And Amy, may I kick off with you on this one? Thanks. Um, There was a few
2: themes that I thought, and, and this isn't, I guess, a new trend that we would probably be predicting, but I think it's something that's probably needing to be built upon or even flipped. And it's around cyber safety and digital citizenship for me. So not just for students, but teachers and school communities and um, the keynote speaker unpacked the reasons why we needed to flip that concept. And I thought that was really uh, a different way of looking at it in terms of the fact that, um, you know, we're constantly teaching students to protect themselves against cyberbullying, but instead we need to teach them from the positive angle, which is around how to be, you know, a great cyber friend, which I thought was really... Um, Carefully planned out for us to make sure that we're teaching from the positive, and I don't want to go into a Mark analogy because he did use a really great analogy that I thought Mark would love around how how you teach drivers with a seatbelt and things like that. But it was really um, it was really something that's stood out to me through the whole couple of days. And I attended another panel session um that highlighted the role of social media. and I think that's something that we're seeing come up more and more often within our schools that we work with. And I, I think that need for support in that teacher space to how they can approach teaching, how students um, take in social media more than anything. But this particular panel um was is, is one of my favorites, Annabelle Asprey, um from uh, abc, and and we've you know we've spoken with her several times. but, I think her um, highlight in that panel piece was like ensuring our teachers feel supported to consume PL through social media. And we know there's several places where our teachers get their PL from in that social media space, but it was about making sure that, you know, we're teaching them to utilise that PL space um, in a really calculating way so that they're not putting pressure on themselves to have the aesthetics of their classroom look a certain way for the grammars, I guess the Insta users would say, but actually consuming what they need at their point of need, which I think is really important for social media. How about yourself? Mm.
1: Look, maybe less of a trend or something that I just think we all need to invest time in as educators is considering what the last two or three years has taught us about learning and obviously hybrid learning was right across the conference but looking a bit more deeply in what what do our teachers know about technology really post the pandemic and learning from home experiences and what what did our kids discover and where should that take what their learning experience looks like i think i actually think that will continue to be a big part of the conversation for education over those next 5 years and and rightly so and and hopefully we'll move to a way where Our students guide a bit more of their learning. That would be my ideal. But, yeah, that's where I think it's headed. Mark, what's the trend that you think is going to come into our classrooms?
3: Oh, I wish I went first because Amy took what I was going to say. But because... Richard Colada, he he was great. I, I found I found his uh, presentation to be the highlight, actually, for me for that for that whole in terms of keynote speaking. Uh, the highlight. There were so many takeaways, um, and that whole positive use of technology. Uh, and I think it's it's really applicable at this point in time, particularly in light of media coverage recently in in, in both the the state and and nationwide around around the mobile uses. Um, sorry, the use of mobile devices in schools, and. The, the rhetoric seems to be about the banning of mobile devices in schools. And I think it needs to be placed in a more positive field in terms of the effective management of devices in schools. OK, because we already know based off our, our experience of COVID uh, and, and to, again, quote, quote Richard, you know, moving from B.C. before COVID to A.D., after disease, we've really sort of taken some lessons with regards to so there is true value in being able to use your device for learning opportunities. But there is also that of, that very apparent um, distraction and and the the impact that it may have in terms of social interactions and well-being for, for younger people. So but rather than place a ban on it because quite often we've seen in society over a long period of time, as soon as you ban something, people desire it more. And they actively seek it, but they simply go underground and you don't see it. And the prohibition of alcohol back in the 1930s is a prime example of when that occurred, right? So so we need the positive management of devices to enhance student learning and enhance students' interactions. And it doesn't mean we use devices all the time, but we just use them at the right time. And I think the other thing he was talking about was putting together a technology code of conduct, which was built around the do's rather than the don'ts. Uh, and switching, I love the term that he used, which was the cyber-friendly or cyber-friendship rather than cyber-bullying. I think that's a key takeaway. But if I really want to jump to the nerd side of my brain, bioinformatics is just a fancy word I thought I'd drop. I think you just wanted to say that word. I don't understand what it means. No. Um, And bioinformatics is, I think, one of those, one of these things that we are going to see have a huge insight in education or impact in education. Insights is what the next phase of um, change, I think, in education. Because we all talk about data, 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 really important. It's the insights that teach us something about what the data is telling us that is going to be huge. And what blew my mind in this presentation about bioinformatics was the fact that there are currently online repositories that people can actually go that are powered by supercomputers. The data is stored there. It's publicly accessible. uh, And people are able to engage with that technology to basically collectively build a worldwide brain of information and knowledge and and uh the genome net um the national center for biotechnology information and dna subway were just three publicly available sites that you could go in and just fiddle around with literally super powered computers to to just you know who knows find the next cure for cancer
0: Wow, and I'm sure some of our students will be doing this. They'll see these databases and, you know, be totally, you know, engrossed by what they could locate and what problems they could solve. Unbelievable, Mark. What some takeaways. They were, that's for sure. And I, I guess to finish off with that, um, and and I think all these trends are are so, so relevant when we do think about the learning that we've had, you know, and we really do think about that that shift. In, in in cyber safety to, to cyber friend, I really like it, absolutely, is I found that there were a lot of industry partnerships going on. And I think Mark talked about one earlier and there was a, a great one that the Victorian Department of Education had done where they were using Minecraft to explore what a, a new station would look like and get some design ideas. And I think that that authenticity that we can provide to student challenges through our linkages with industry um, was something that really stood out and that I'm really excited about. And I hope we see more of because I think the value that we place on students as problem solvers uh, is really increasing and it isn't tokenistic anymore. Um, so hopefully that's something we'll see more of. Um, and I know if you look at the latest edition of t for All Kids magazine, you might find one. So there's another thing to explore. Now, I think we've come to the end of this podcast. So Linda, what do you reckon? How did our new recruits do? They did super well. Will we be asking them back? If they want to come back. Ah, we'll see. Waiting. The invitation may be in the mail, Mark and, and Amy. And listeners, don't forget, for more information on everything we talked about today, make sure you check out uh, the EduTech website where you'll find links to all of the things that we've talked about today. Have you had enough of EduTech? No? I thought not. Well, lucky enough, our next episode continues the theme as you come behind the scenes of the Expo floor with me as your guide as we explore the latest tech tools for your classroom. It's one not to be missed, so make sure you hit subscribe to be the first to listen. Mark, Amy, it has been our pleasure. Thanks for your time your insights, your thoughts, and your vision. And listeners, if you have any thoughts or comments to share or questions to ask, make sure you jump to our T4L teacher community on Teams, the source of all things awesome. This podcast has been produced by the masterful Jacob Drews with the assistance and supreme coordination of many more awesome members of the T4L team. Stay awesome, stay innovative everyone, and don't forget Rome wasn't built in a day and neither will your EdTech vision. Start with one thing, something small and achievable, and make magic from there. Thanks for joining us. Just a little note, please be aware that all views expressed by the podcast presenters, that's us, are our personal opinions and not representative of the New South Wales Department of Education. Discussions aren't endorsements of third-party products, services or events. And please note that as much as we sound like it, we are not experts in legalese, tech speak or anything in between. We're just passionate people keen to boost technology for learning in the classroom and to help build the skills in your students and for you to solve the problems of tomorrow. Do your due diligence, read further, and if we've got something wrong, let us know. We too are always learning and always improving.